But I wanted to start with this interesting article that I read. Uh, it was entitled, How Values Shape Identity. And in it, the author, Daniela Karova, starts by describing the difference between our traits, the traits that make us who we are, and our identity. And, and she describes it like this, that, that personal traits are the characteristics that shape our actions and the characteristics that shape our responses. Like one, state, one trait you might give me, Ryan Seller, is that I can be a little bit stubborn. And sometimes my stubbornness shapes how I respond in certain situations. Or maybe you're someone who is uh, really, really, really easygoing. That the trait that most describes you is just chill. And that probably shapes a lot of your interactions, a lot of your um, your day-to-day -day moments in your life. And, and these are, are somewhat malleable, your personal traits, like, I mean, big business and New Year's resolutions, right? I think this year I'm going to work on this trait. And hopefully throughout the year, or then maybe you stop somewhere around January 21st. But your traits we can work on and shape instead of our identity. Now, our identity requires a specific sense of self-awareness because our identity is really dynamic. It ebbs and it flows throughout our life. While our characteristics and our traits shape how we act, it is our identity that shapes what we value the most. Karova writes, in adolescence, an important part of self-development is the differentiation of values. As people mature, their values clarify and they attain a sense of coherence in their identity. Our actions and decisions are a consequence of our principles. In other words, values are a part of identity. We discover our true selves as we explore and uncover our principles. Now, when we dig deep into this concept of self-identity, shaping what we value, I think we ultimately come to a, a pretty remarkable conclusion. And that is that the sweet spot of our life is when our ideal self and when our self-image are in alignment. In other words, it is when who we want to be lines up with who we believe that we are. When those two things fall into place, it really unlocks the potential for us to live out of what we value from a cohesive self. I might use another phrase, and that would be living with a purpose. When we live through our values, and when who we want to be lines up with who we think that we are, and when we put values into that, that is when we find ourselves living aligned with our purpose. Those seasons of your life when you feel like, oh, I feel like not only am I doing meaningful work, but I feel like I'm living a meaningful life. That is when that happens. In the deepest core of who we are, I think that's what we want most. We want to live a meaningful life and do meaningful work that aligns with what we believe to be true. When pulled on what they want out of a job, only behind good work-life balance, millennials and Gen Z both indicated that their highest priority is to do work 
that aligns with their values and serves a purpose beyond making money. Let me say that again. When millennials and Gen Z were polled, the only thing ahead of doing work that aligns with their values was a good work-life balance, which I might say you could make a case is actually just living out of your values. Doing good work, living a life that aligns with the core tenets of who we are, is what most of us in this room want most. And I think when I read that, I realize that. I think that, that I find I am most myself when the work that I am doing feels like it not only aligns with my values, but also with who I am and it's making a difference. Would anybody agree? Has anybody experienced that? Life feels really, really abundantly uh, awesome when, when that's the case. But it's not always the case. See, if we don't do that, if we do the opposite of that, that is when it feels like we're just simply existing. That's when it feels like we're just kind of uh, mindless zombies traversing through this journey of life. Without purpose, without cause, without identity, we find that life feels pretty much so enters our teaching text for tonight. We're actually continuing our series in 1 Peter. And the text is 1 Peter 2, 9 through 10. Hear the word. You are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful once you had no identity as a people. Now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. So in these sentences, Peter really describes the purpose of the people of God. And he does so in two parts. First, he writes, this is who you are. Followers of Christ, this is who you are. You are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. You are God's own possession. And you have therefore moved from darkness into light. If this is who you are, he writes, then the second component is this is what the people of God do. They light up dark places and they reveal the goodness of God. So if you'll indulge me for a second, there's something really neat here with the language that First Peter uses. Those phrases, chosen people, royal priesthood, God's possession, these are all terms from the Old Testament used to describe God's people of the Old Testament, the Israelites. So when Peter uses this language, that was used in the Old Testament to describe the Israelites. What he is actually teaching is that no longer is the people or the person of God limited to a, some translations use the word race of people. Because the Israelites 
for a race of people. But now, God has created a new race of people. The race that makes up the people of God is described in the scriptures as citizens of heaven. By following God, by becoming a person of God, your citizenship no longer resides here on earth. You are a citizen of heaven. And this old language is used to describe a new people. The amazing thing is that this new group of people all are welcome. This new kingdom that God is setting up, everyone is invited without any exception. However, what lies in the unsaid is this. If you claim to be the people of God, and if you claim ownership of that title of citizen of heaven, then doing those things that First Peter writes is a non-negotiable. God's people light up dark places. God's people reveal the goodness of a good God. Peter, you read in between the lines, he's teaching that if you call yourself a follower of Christ and don't do these things, that you are a follower of Christ in name only. If I might paraphrase for Peter, Christ follower, followers of Christ, the people of God. Your identity shapes your purpose. Your personhood shapes all of your actions. When we live as the people of God, understanding that that, that is what the church is, right? At its core, the church is not a building, it is not a place, it is not a geographic location. It is a race. It is a race of people who are citizens of heaven. That is what the church is. And the mission of the church is to share the goodness of God with the people in your life. This is the mission of the church in the world. And I might add that it's not so much of an invitation to do something as it is an imperative to do something. So as I close, and Pastor Randall, I almost said Dr. Quackenbush because we were at a college today and at the college he's Dr. Quackenbush. Not here. I, I mean, actually still here, technically. We still are Dr. Quackenbush. Before we sing tonight, I'd really just like to, to make an argument to compel you and to compel myself to live out of this identity. To live out of this alignment of who we are as followers of Christ and what we value. But we need to ensure that what we value lines up with what Peter is teaching us to value. What Peter is teaching us to value is, hey, person of God, you must value your lightness in dark places. And you must value sharing the goodness of God with the people in your life.
I think I just said this in my previous first year teaching, but, but know this, that your pastors, myself, Randall, we meet a certain number of people, right? But the people that you interact with on a regular basis far exceed the number of people that we will ever get to interact with in your life. So if you want to be a light to darkness, if you want to share the goodness of God with the people in your life, we cannot do that. You must do that. And that's what Peter is saying. Peter is saying that for you to live in alignment with your title as a citizen of heaven, the non-negotiables are sharing light and sharing the goodness of God. It is who you are. It is who I am. It is a core value of following Christ. So let this serve not as a condemnation. Let this instead serve as inspiration. That when we leave this space tonight, we say it regularly. You enter your mission field. Because your mission field is, again, just like the church is not a geographic location, just like the church is not a building, although this is a pretty nice building. The church is you. The church is me. Your mission field is your friends. Your mission field is your family. Your mission field is your coworkers. Arturo just told me a wonderful story about living in this dynamic of aligning the core values of Christian life with living in alignment with sharing the gospel of Jesus. It's a non-negotiable. Now, does that make it easy? No, it doesn't. In fact, it makes it sometimes a little more difficult because when we leave alignment, there's a tension because we know we're out of alignment. What Peter has done is remove the excuses for falling out of alignment. He's now saying, follower of Christ, if you don't do this, you know that because it's who you are it's who you are 